Hi there, welcome to series two of the Release the Sound podcast, where we talk all things prophetic worship. I'm Raymond Waterman, and it is my passion to empower, to educate, encourage, and equip you to release a sound of heaven that transforms the communities that you are a part of. So stay tuned, listen to some amazing guests, and be blessed. Thanks for joining me. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Release the Sound podcast. I am excited today because we have a very, very special guest who is also a good friend and also happens to be at my church. This is why I'm excited. We haven't had yet a guest from church. You're the first, Joel, and it's very exciting. So I want to introduce you guys to my world. I want to introduce you to Pastor Joel Field. He is the global creative pastor for Numa Church which is my church here in Melbourne, Australia. Aside from being an incredible musician, a songwriter, a worship leader, he also loves the Liverpool Football Club. He has an English accent. You'll notice maybe he'll share, or is it a Welsh accent? People can make (laughs) their own mind up. (laughs) So you'll hear a little bit about that as we keep going. He's a husband to Beck, beautiful Beck, and a dad to Arielle and Judah. They're a gorgeous family. We love them dearly. And Joel, it's an honor to have you today on the podcast. Thanks for joining. Oh, my goodness. The honor is all mine. I mean, I was looking through the roster of people that you've had on already. I've listened to some of the episodes and I'm standing amongst giants. It's crazy that I'm here. So thank you. We think you're a giant too. And The reason I wanted you on is because you have a very unique story to tell in a season in time where our church has always been amazing. It's always been wonderful. Mm. But, you know, that transition from feeling like we're on the brink of something and then being slap bang in the middle of a revival, God turning Mm -hmm. up in the worship. And so you have this amazing, unique perspective where You've basically been in the old wineskin and the new wineskin. What does that look like? And I just felt like our audience would love to hear your story. So I thought maybe we could start on that wonderful day that we call Super Bowl Sunday. Do you want to just share a bit what was a little bit, because no one kind of knows, share a bit what was going on and your unique perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Super Bowl Sunday for us was, I guess, the culmination of a lot of things. I mean, we had a month of revival services and then obviously culminated in revival conference. And then so technically revival conference finishes on the Saturday and then we head into Sunday, which is conference Sunday. Anyways, so we had the 9am service as per usual and that never really finished, kind of just went straight into the next one. So I remember for us on worship team, we I can't even remember if we managed to get off stage at that point, I think we just rolled straight into the next one. People were coming in for the 11 a.m. And then the 11 a.m. service went much the same way. And there, you know, there was just a moment at the end. And for those of you who have heard Pastor Corey preach on his experience of that day and everything that happened there, it's well documented. But yeah, for us, in terms of those on stage leading worship, we did have a unique perspective on everything that was going on. I think even throughout the conference, it was just amazing to see one of the joys of leading people in worship from, you know, a platform is that you get to see their faces. And so the transformation that we saw on people's lives from the beginning of a session to the end, it was like they were walking out a different person. 
And so, yes, God does a, a lifetime of work in us and it's a lifetime journey, but we were, we were seeing people like who we've journeyed with for many years, but their lives being transformed in a moment. So that was beautiful to see. And one of the challenges of leading worship in that is being able to keep going because for me, I, I get like so emotional just seeing what God is doing in people's lives as well as what he's doing in you, never mind everyone else. Um, so yeah, that 11 a.m. service never really finished either. There was an informal finish, but people just stayed. And again, I think worship team just began to pray for each other. So once again, the meeting technically had come to a close, worship team just stayed and there was you know, everyone in the auditorium was still praying, not many people left. And so worship team were praying for one another, praying for healing. And we were seeing amazing things happening. We just had some instrumental music playing in the auditorium. And, you know, people then started showing up for 4 p.m. prayer service, but they had no idea what was going on because they hadn't been there at the previous services. And But there was already people there and people were out under the power of God and worship team were just, you know, in all sorts of mess. We didn't have a rehearsal then or sound check or anything for the next service. We kind of just got up and carried on and again, and that went into our 5 PM service. And I think all up, we had about 12 hours or more in that, in that room that day where it was all kind of just one big service. And so. Yeah, that was Super Bowl Sunday for us. It was Super Bowl and the fact that it went on for a long time and it just was super in, you know, everything that God did that day. And like I say, it was a culmination of the work that he'd been doing, but that was really like just a fresh move of God and the Holy Spirit broke out and we've never really been the same since. Yeah, I love how you explain that. Like I remember walking in, I went to the 9 a.m., then I thought, I'll go get the groceries and come back for the night service. And yep. while I was at the grocery store, all the worship team were texting me going, you need to come back right now. And I'm like, I'm not missing this. So I texted my husband. I said, listen, get ready. We're going back to church. I dumped the groceries or even the refrigerator stuff. They just got dumped on the bench. And we came back in and we walked in. And the thing that really struck me about what was going on was there was such a holy hush in the room. Mm just feel the thickness of the presence of the Lord. There was nobody in the worship team going, what do we do now? We, I guess yep. we better do a song. Like everyone was just, you guys were all on the lying down on the floor. Yes. It was almost like you didn't want to do anything mm-hmm. just in case you messed it up. You just, yep. it was beautiful to experience that. And I don't know about you, but I've not ever seen that in what mm-hmm. we would call revival services where nobody's right. going, what do we do next? Yep. You know, what song do we do next? Like everyone mm. was just kind of just there. And every now and then I think you'd get back up and play something and yep. want to sing something then you'd go back down. And yeah. <laughs> your face is before the Lord and it was just yep. so precious. And, Absolutely. I, th- I you know, I'm having flashbacks too of that whole weekend. So I remember the Friday night and I remember the opening, the opening worship and I remember the, st- I, I don't know if you felt this, but there was like this, tension between the old and the new on that Friday night. You could feel there was the emerging taking place, Mm -hmm. that there was about to be a shift. And I'd love to know from you, you were sort of intimating, you know, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happened prior to this weekend. What do you think is the main thing that brought revival? That's a big question. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I can give my perspective on, on I guess, from a, a worship team perspective, our creative team and the journey that we went on. Because I was even reflecting on it this morning. Really, there's been a couple of years of journeying with our creative team yeah. that prepared us for revival. So I think that it wasn't so much that we instigated it or we, you know, made it happen, but we prepared ourselves and I, you know, that's the Holy Spirit work in our lives. So the journey that we went on with team, I mean, I've, I was laughing and thinking about it this morning. It's a bit of a running joke around here in our creative team that at the beginning of 2020, I preached a message to our creative team called let your hair down and take the mask off. And then of course the irony of that of a month later, we're all in masks and we're all, <laughs> we, well, we probably did let our hair down somewhat, but yeah. So that was like that, you know, all about just being real before God, being raw and being real, not putting on pretenses, not putting on masks and everything like that. So anyways, they, they felt that I somewhat backwards prophesied us all wearing masks in that. But then the following year, I remember speaking to the creative team about redigging whales and, you know, from the story of Isaac and redigging his father's wells. And so about redigging the wells of revival that have been in our church for many, many years um, and getting rid of the clutter and, you know, all the stuff that's polluted that and things that have blocked them up. And then in last year in 20, so 2022, we started talking to them about real deep discipleship and, you know, going against, especially in a creative space, we put a lot of emphasis and focus on what we do and what we create. And so, you know, Pastor Stacy and myself really went on a, a deep discipleship journey with our team, talking about what are our values. We really saw it like coming out of the whole COVID season as a reset for us as a creative team. Um, and as worshipers for a chance to go, who do we want to be as a creative team? Who does more accurately, who does God want us to be? And so talked a lot of, uh, about, you know, being before we do, uh, about being with God, being with Jesus, being with the Holy Spirit before we do anything for him, you know, about following the crucified Jesus rather than the cultural Jesus, about finding, you know, the treasures buried in grief and loss, all these kind of things that, you know, some of it was taken from Pete Cazaro's discipleship material, if your listeners would be familiar with him. So that was the journey that we went on for pretty much eight months, right up until August and Revival Conference. So I think that whole journey really was tilling the ground and making us ready. So then when you get to a moment where the Holy Spirit breaks out and you don't know what to do, you don't know what song to sing, you don't know what's going to happen next, it doesn't actually then phase you because it's not about what I need to do and doing the right thing as a worship leader or, or anything like that. It's, oh no, I'm yielded to the Holy Spirit in this moment. And whether I do it right or not, in inverted commas, is that's up to the Holy Spirit to lead and guide me. And it's not about then my ego, or my plans or my structure, my, you know, everything that I've put in place, it's just me being fully yielded to the spirit. So I think that's been part of the journey for our team that led up to that moment and prepared us. I love that. Cause what, if I hear what you're saying, you're saying that it's 
It's being hungry. It's mm-hmm. a hunger meeting with the divine moment. Absolutely. You know, like you can't make it happen by doing That's more right. stuff. You just right. be hungry and then God just sort of meets that like he that's the special source really isn't it it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. God's like I'll I'll turn up but then you'll yes. see because you've cultivated and then okay so then revival hits and we're still in a season of revival like it hasn't gone back has it like we've had to go on a journey of going this isn't a one-time thing or an event that we have to keep hyping up this is yep. this is the new normal mm-hmm. what does that look like now for you is there anything different that you're doing now that since before Super Bowl sun- Sunday? A lot of people, yeah, have asked me what's been like the biggest thing, I guess, that has changed for you. The simplest way that I've boiled it down to explaining is that we're ruined for the presence. You know, that no- it's not that we didn't love the presence before. It's not that we didn't desire that. But I think once you've tasted and seen it's hard to go back to anything else. And so that has been our one pursuit um, in, in everyday life. And a, a lot of what we talk to our creative team is about, you know, it's not just when we come into church together. It's not just when we sing together. It's not just when we're rostered on. But the, the presence of, of Jesus is our one pursuit. And so then when we do come together, it's just an overflow of that. And that we're just carrying that with us in everything that we do in our everyday life. And so that's probably the been, I guess, the biggest change. If I can boil it down to one thing is that you're room for the presence. And so that's your one desire. And your one aim is get me back there. <laughs> if I've stepped out of it, get me back there. But more than anything, I want to live there. That's where I want to dwell. Well, I don't know if you can hear that it's pouring with rain as you started to talk about that. <laughs> It's like a sign. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's going, yes, raining down. Amazing. And uh, I'd love to ask you, is it busier? Is revival busier? Or is it all different rhythms? Probably the, the one word we've used a lot is that it's messy. Revival is messy. Yeah, busyness is, is one way of looking at it. I mean, we obviously did a whole lot of revival services, uh, coming out of that and so it was relentless and so we had to you have to rearrange priorities in a lot of ways both in team for us as staff and family and all that kind of thing you know you you flex it and you move and so yeah it there is mess to it in a way there's a holy mess to it and that god kind of rips up the playbook and and so you have to relearn what does it look like to steward a move of God. Similarly, what we were saying about Super Bowl Sunday, and that was a holy awe of like, we don't want to mess with this. In the same way in our everyday lives, there's this, yeah, you want to tread carefully and you want to carry it carefully because, yeah, you see it as a gift that this is God has given us to steward. And so, yeah, there was a lot of rearranging. I had to let a lot of things go, things like projects that I wanted to get done last year and, you know, goalposts got moved and, and things like that. And it's tiring. Like, I'll be real, like it's doing those long revival services. It's physically tiring. Like your spirit might be soaring, but we still live in mortal bodies that need sleep and need to eat and need to be rejuvenated and stuff like that. So, yeah. 
I had to change even my daily rhythm of, you know, I'm typically an early riser and things like that. But when you're going revival services to all hours of the night, there's no way that you can keep doing that. So yeah, you just have to change a few things and make things work with family and young family and all that kind of thing so that, you know, you don't neglect your ministry at home and all that kind of thing as well. So I wouldn't say that we've nailed it along the way. And we talk to a lot of different people that have, I know you're part of those conversations as well, of talking to people who've experienced the move of God and that break of the spirit like this and trying to glean on, on how they've navigated it as well. So we're still learning how, what this looks like. And, but yet, Ultimately, I don't think there's an end goal where we're like, yes, it's we're nailing it. I think it's just it's this balance in active. Sometimes it goes one way, and then you readdress the balance. You take a holiday, you take a, a long weekend with family and stuff like that. And I'm so grateful for Pastor Stacy, who's mm. our staff and dear friend, oversees the prophetic and the and the creative at church. Her training around the Sabbath. And yes. how years before we even got here, she was like, Absolutely. you need to make sure of your own ministry that you do have a Sabbath. And maybe that's a a, a podcast for another day, but mm. I'm embarrassed to say that in 30 years of ministry, I only started having a Sabbath maybe two years ago. And it was thanks to her. She was just like, Absolutely. have a day off. I'm like, ah. And that really has, that prepares us for moments like this, doesn't it? Where it becomes Absolutely. a lifestyle, not just a moment. In time, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's why when revival hits certain places and then it goes, maybe that's why is because we haven't, you know, prepared those ways of living in our heart. I saw something that I'd posted on Facebook a couple of years ago, it came up on my feed and it kept speaking to me again. And that was, God won't give you the upgrade if it's going to hurt you. Right. So, like sometimes it's not because you're not ready it's actually because it will destroy you. And I think revival can do that. I've got friends around the world. Dan McCullum is one of them mm. where he's just gone, I'm making up now for the yep. loss. I'm in those revival years where everything mm. was amazing and I didn't actually spend enough time with my family. I'm yep. happy to make up for that now. And and so I think the kindness of God sometimes is the upgrade's not here because he's punishing you or you're making a yes. mistake or the worship's bad or whatever. Yes. But yep. he's like, are you really ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really cultivate those places in your heart, which I think you do so well, Joel, and I think Pastor Stacy does so well. It's, a, it's great to watch and learn from those things myself yeah. and so value them. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said just then about how this is it, like we're not going back. This isn't mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, this was an amazing time and now we sort of fall back. And yep. I'd love to know from you, what are some of the dynamics now, like what, like thinking ahead? Because now you have such a different schedule mm-hmm. of how life looks. Like what are your, okay, now let me reframe that question. What's your like, these are my life rules for living? Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean when I say yeah. this? These, yeah. these goalposts don't move. This yeah. is my things. What are some things in revival that you're like, these are necessary? This is a necessity for me. Yeah, 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 totally. Obviously, time with Jesus is the number one thing. I think that especially for people who serve on worship teams, the danger is that we feel like we're ticking that box of time with Jesus because we're in the presence and because we're worshiping Jesus. And we might be doing that from a totally genuine place and 
with a heart to serve and everything like that. But that is, that's still an outpouring that we're doing, that we're, we're giving of ourselves and doing that and leading people. And so that can't ever replace the secret place. And so that has to be there. I find it, I get very tired, very, I guess, spiritually dry very quickly if I lose that. So I have to be very stringent on that. And I'm, like I said, when revival broke out, I had to relearn that because it was very clear to me how I did that beforehand, you know, waking up early, spending those quiet hours in the morning. And then before the kids wake up and you do the mad school rush and everything like that, then revival hits and you have to, you change that and you find different moments and it might not look the same amount of time as it used to and things like that. But I just know that in order to keep my spirit sweet and being ready to then be able to move in those moments on platform and leading worship. I have to be so familiar with his voice in my own quiet time that in, in the noise of a service, I can hear it. So that's a non-negotiable for me. And then family is non-negotiable to me. That's like I was saying earlier, my first ministry is to my family and I don't always get that right, but there's things that I do that I'm just like, okay, well, I'm just going to have to drop tools now and make sure that, you know, tomorrow I'm going to go watch the cross country, you know, and just cheer them on and be there for them so that it's not always, well, dad just lives at church and we get the bits and pieces left over of him. You know, I try and pick them up from school every Friday afternoon so that they know that that special time with dad, it's kind of like stuck in their brains now as that's their time with dad, protecting those things and putting boundaries up there so that for Beck and myself, we still, we, I mean, she, Beck's on staff here as well. So a lot of people assume that, oh, you must see each other all the time. I think we see each other less now that we're on staff than what we did before. So we have to be really intentional with that and connecting as well. So family is really important in that those are the, those are probably, yeah, the two things, I guess, outside of what I do as a role that, that are really important to me in terms of stewarding this season of revival. So wise and practical and, you know, I mean, I grew up where family wasn't priority. In my own family it was. I'm mm -hmm. just saying the, the church culture. culture. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was just like, you know, God's first. And people, yep. for some reason, thought God and church were on the same thing. That's but, right. No, it's God first, family second, church third. And, you know, I mean, I even sometimes, Joel, for me, there's sometimes where life's so busy and I know there's a meeting on and I really want to go, but mm -hmm. I can see the look in my kids' eyes. They're just yep. like, been all weekend, mum. And I'm yep. like, this is actually revival's family as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that it's that generational thing. Like, I just don't. I uh, don't ever want my kids to be victims of revival. Do you know what I mean? Like I think, I think there's so many stories of that throughout the years. I've read so much of revival history because I'm a revival geek. Yes. Uh, and so I know you have too. And there's just so many stories of, um, you know, families and, and even those who are in the thick of it along the way mm. where they just couldn't physically keep up with it because like we say, we've got mortal bodies. We're not, Yes. designed to just keep going 24 seven. So yeah. yeah, I'm so grateful that, you know, I, again, work in an environment and for someone like Pastor Stacey, who is so gracious in all of that and understands all of that and allows me to have that flexibility 
it, and in fact encourages it. So, If we're not hearing from God, what do we got? We've just got our talents and that's it. That's right. Runs out pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. And I think the scary thing about it is no one else will know because it's right. the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Mm-hmm. So we can still sound anointed and sound amazing and lead people into the presence but be dead inside if we yes. don't cultivate those things. I keep saying that word. I feel like Holy Spirit's put maybe that's what the name of this podcast will be, mm-hmm. cultivating a worship revival or something. I don't Come know. <laughs> Here's a question for you. What is the question you get the most from other worship teams and worship leaders? Um, yeah, I get a lot of like, how do you lead in in those revival services? A lot of questions around that, like how we prepare set lists or what do our set lists look like? How do you music direct in those sessions as well? Those are probably the, the, the two questions that I get asked quite a bit in all of that. So, yeah, we can certainly go there if that's... Love to hear. Um, are they really great questions? I'd love... I think people would love to know that. Tell me about set lists. Yeah. So this is one of those before and after things that we were talking about earlier, how we prepared set lists before and how we did. I mean, back in the day, going back a few years, we would have set lists prepared for the whole month, you know, set and arranged for our locations. And so we knew what we... Yeah, everyone rostered on knew what they were going to be seeing the whole month. Then we started to get a bit more flexible and it would be the week of. And so we try and say, you know, this is what God is doing at the moment. These are the songs we need to be singing, or this is what has been preached this week. So let's find songs that fit with that. And so we are probably somewhere right now where we do have a set list going into a service. More often than not, it's usually just, you know, a few days out from the weekend service but stacy and i went on this journey of discovering i guess the davidic pattern or the levitical pattern of temple worship and that whole thing of entering his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and that opens up our hearts into worship so now we're very deliberate in crafting our set lists around that biblical trait so we you know, make sure that we have thanks and praise to begin with. So our songs reflect that. And so we're going from the outer courts into the inner courts, because I think the temptation, and this is what we, we found ourselves doing, and we had to sort of step back a little bit. The temptation in a revival season is that we want to jump into the river right from the get-go. And I think for us as worship leaders and worship teams, when we're living in it all the time, we're ready to just jump into the river and get, you know, chest deep, head deep and all that sort of thing and swim around in the river. Whereas for our church and our congregation coming in, um, they're not necessarily ready for that. And I think even in our own hearts, we can't forget, I shared this on Sunday night at church, but we can't forget this pattern of thanks and praise. And so so we are very intentional in our, in our set list in that we make sure that we are you know, allowing people to go through that process of entering his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, then that leads us to the inner court. And there we can start to worship God for who he is and his character and his nature. And so that's what our set list, I guess, a, a framework for us. And so when other worship leaders, you know, on our team start crafting their set list and might and send them through and say, hey, what do you think about this? I'll, I'll run it through that filter. And 
and help them. And it just gives us a really good framework. And then within that, we have lots of freedom. So we typically have about 30 minutes of worship in our, of praise and worship in our Sunday services. So we don't say to our worship leaders, okay, fill that up with, you know, 10 songs. We, we know that we'll have space within that for spontaneous moments of worship or Stace and I used like a shared notes on our phone and we've got a whole bunch of tags and choruses and things like that listed there. And they're divided up into things like faith and declaration, adoration, throne room, et cetera. So that in the moment when we feel, okay, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing right now. We need to sing a song of faith and declaration. We'll quickly look at that note and be like, okay, let's go to that tag. Or no, this is the moment where you know we've now just stepped into the throne room, so we need to sing something that points people to the throne room. And so we'll pull up that tag list and and go for it. So there's a lot of yeah m- room for movement and going, you know, just following the spirit. Whereas, but we've still got that framework and that scaffolding to help us lead people to that place of you know the throne room or jumping in the river, whichever way you look at it. So that's kind of how we work with Setless. I love that. I love the mix of being prepared, being spontaneous, because I think a lot of people, they think that prophetic worship or spontaneous worship means you're just not prepared. Exactly. And yeah. you have a clean slate and you just turn up. Or the other the other thing I notice is they'll go, all right, we'll just do two songs and then we'll just do the spontaneous. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think it works like that. I think that, you know, David in the temple we just talked about, he would only have the most skilled musicians mm-hmm. in the temple, but then it was still spontaneous. It's like it's this mix of both that you have the skill. Absolutely. They're not on opposite ends of the spectrum that we're actually meant to be prepared. And so I love that idea of shared notes even. I hope people mm-hmm. take note of that because that's really brilliant. Shared A shared note that you can share yeah. with some of your key team with yeah. those ideas for songs so that you're prepared. Because also, too, we all know this, don't we? You get totally wrecked by the Holy Spirit and then you've got to think about some practical things and you're I can't, my brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm terrible at remember- remembering song titles and song lyrics. And <laughs> so sometimes I just need that prompt to be like, I know there's a song somewhere that says this, but I can't remember it yet. So those, that's just how helpful and practical in the moment. I think that I heard once Jonathan Hessler talk and I think it was something that Don Potter taught, taught them back in the day was about planned spontaneity being a thing. And so that's really helped me as well. You can create prophetic set lists. And so for those who might be listening to this, who perhaps you don't have 30 minutes, 45 minutes you know, of worship in, in your services, perhaps you've just got the 18 minutes, but don't see that as not prophetic. You know, there's actually, you can prophetically prepare a a set list and there is power in the written song. Like someone has really journeyed with Jesus and the Holy Spirit in writing and crafting that as well. And so there's absolutely, I think sometimes we can get to that point where we're like, well, let's just rush past the written song and then we'll get to the spontaneous and that's when the spirit will really hit. But there's actually such power in that joint declaration Yes. And that song that someone has actually, you know, heard from heaven and, and written out for us to yeah. sing. I love that. I love that. I'm reminded of a story. I can't remember the worship leader's name. You might know this story, but it was a 
well-known worship leader in the UK. This is maybe going back 15 years ago. And they were having this time of sort of spontaneous prophetic worship in the service. And it went for quite a long time. They were just loving it. And he was just like, this is the most incredible experience of my life. It was like right in the river, just experiencing the presence of the Lord. The worship band were like, wow, this is amazing. And he looks up the back of the auditorium and his wife is standing up back glaring at him like she's (laughs) And he's like, oh, I'll just keep my eyes closed and I'll just keep being in the river. And this went on for like 30, 45 minutes. And every time he'd look up, he'd get this glimpse of his wife just glaring at him like they'd had something had happened and he didn't know what he'd done. Anyway, at the end of the service, they're packing up, they get in the car and she's not saying anything. She's saying nothing. So finally he just goes, oh, wasn't that a great service? I mean, that was incredible. We went deeper than we've ever done before. And she just went, "Mm, yeah, it was okay, like this. And then finally he went, is there something wrong? And she said, watching you guys up there was like, watching people have a five-course meal and none of us were invited to the table. Wow. Wow. And she just said, do not ever do that again. And that stayed with me my whole life, that sometimes we are so enamoured by the presence that we've forgotten there's a whole bunch of people Mm. never even sat at the table. Yeah. And that's why having being prepared is so important and yes. having structured moments is so important is so that people, you're welcoming people to the table, not going, you have to be in the in crowd, mm-hmm. you have to be super spiritual, mm-hmm. you know. And so I love I love that you do that at Numa. You you actually do invite people mm. to the table. And yeah, and it's from that place that the spontaneous takes place. So well done to you. I just say thank you for being that kind of person. And we're always learning and growing, and and yeah, it it has stretched us for sure in yeah. this season. So we never stop learning, do we? It doesn't matter how old we are. We're all That's right. always learning new things. I'm every day going, wow, teach me how to do this. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I love that. And I actually, maybe that's the key to living a lifestyle of revival is never thinking it's a place that you arrive at. Oh. Yeah, you're just like, hey, we're just making mistakes. You're gonna make mistakes, totally. but let's be hungry. Yeah, Joel. Well, as we finish, I'd love mm-hmm. to ask you another hard question. <laughs> I love that. And that is, what would you say right now to worship teams who maybe just like we want this? Mm-hmm. What's the first place, first point that they need to go to, or, or some sort of encouragement that you can yep. give? Well, be careful what you ask for first. <laughs> That's what I'd say first of all. Oh man, so many things. I think that revival has to start in our in our own personal lives. It starts with one. It's yes, it's beautiful when it breaks out corporately, but it has to start in our own lives. We're accountable for our our own lives and our own journey with Jesus. So fall in love with Jesus more and more each day. Let him be the object of your affection. And, you know, here's the prize. And so long services or spontaneous moments and things like that, recordings and and YouTube videos and Spotify and all that kind of, they're not the prize. They're not the goal. Here's the goal. And so I think that if you can, you know, love people well and you do that with your team first and foremost, if, like I say, if you're in a position where there's not a whole lot of freedom happening, you know, in your Sunday services, you know, find moments, whether it's in rehearsal, you know, 
be less precious about rehearsal being perfect and your sound checks and stuff like that create space there get your team together a little bit earlier and pray with them and see what god does in those spaces or in your worship team nights just create some space to foster the prophetic and the spontaneous and freedom and allow people to make mistakes like i say it is messy so a lot of the times we do make mistakes or we get you know things wrong it's not always prim and proper so really have to let go of some of that performance mentality that has been a real feature in our westernized church experience so yeah there's so many things but i think yeah just cultivating your personal time with jesus again i quote the hesslers so much because i've learned from them but they talk about taking people down well-worn paths with the father that's our job as worship leaders and leaders of worship is that it's just invited people down spaces that and places that you've been with a father already so you're like a tour guide of the presence you're just inviting them to say hey i've been down here before and like you say that's that's how we lead people into those spaces it's not forcing them to hey you know here we're in the throne room now we'll jump in the river at the deep end it's no here's the way here's a path to go down and then ultimately we can work ourselves out of a job and just get people all eyes on jesus and that's that's the goal he is the Love that working yourself out of a job i reckon yeah. that's awesome absolutely awesome such wise words thank you joel I'd love if maybe just in our final minutes, would you mind just praying for anybody that's listening that's hungry for this? Love that. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Father God, we I just thank you right now for everyone who's listening to this. I thank you for their hunger and their desire to learn and to hear your voice. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that wherever people are listening to this right now, your presence will be very real to them. Lord, that the things that you want to speak to them, even if it's nothing that we've even articulated in this podcast, that you would speak to them. And Lord, that you would just be very real to them. If they're in their car, if they're in their bedroom, if they're in the kitchen, wherever they are right now, let your Holy Spirit just envelop them. And Father, teach us to steward and carry your presence well. And we want to be those that carry the presence within us and so that wherever we move and wherever we go in our workplaces in our families in our schools universities in our churches lord that your presence would go with us and lord we don't want to go anywhere if your presence doesn't go with us so father we take a moment right now to focus on you and lord i just pray for each and every worship leader musician, singer, production crew who might be listening to this, Lord, a fresh anointing upon them. Help them to seek your face first and help us to be the leaders of worship that you desire us to be. Help us to lead people and point people to you well. Help us to get out of the way when we need to get out of the way and let you do your perfect work. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Oh, guys, I hope you were blessed. That was amazing, Pastor Joel. I loved listening to your wisdom and I just want to encourage everyone, go check out Numa Worship on all the platforms. N-E-U-M-A. I play it all day. A lot of the the soaking 
stuff that we've got and there's more to come and mm-hmm. we would love you to connect with Numa and Pastor Joel and you'll find us all on all the social media platforms, <laughs> Spotify and all that jazz. Thank you, Joel. For Thank you so much. Conversation. We love you and look forward to having you back. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. If you're hungry for more, head to romawaterman.com where you can check out my book, Releasing Heaven's Song, Singing Over Your Nation for Breakthrough and Revival. It includes activations that you can use with your team or even on your own. And I've also got an online school where we have several courses on the prophetic, worship, spirituality and creativity. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. And until then, I pray that you will release the song of heaven over your family, your church, and even your nation. And I look forward to sharing with you in the next Release the Sound Prophetic Worship Podcast.